Hi, welcome to Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first episode, welcome. If you are part of the community here, welcome back. I appreciate each and every one of you. If you missed out on last week's episode, you should definitely go back and check it out. I had a chance to talk to Dr. Alexia who shared her breast cancer journey and how she is currently fighting through treatment and all of that. Um, She even shared how she broke the news to her seven-year-old daughter at the time. I believe she was six. So that was just interesting to hear her um, break that all down for us and then talk to us about, you know, knowing our family history and doing those self-examinations and getting mammograms. So if you are interested to know what that was like for her or what it is like for her, then definitely check that out. This week, we are talking about open enrollment. Yes, it is that time of the year where you have to select your yearly benefits. So whether you are a single mompreneur or you actually work for an employer, you can enroll in benefits. So typically, this begins on November 1st and and around December 15th. So I have some experience in human resources. And so I was able to chat with Brittany, who has some experience in the insurance industry. So with us together, we were able to give you guys some helpful tips. But before we get into the episode, I want to say thank you to our sponsors, RX Bar and Care Of. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar and they are made with real whole ingredients such as egg whites, dates, and nuts. Perfect for your kids as well if you are one of those moms who don't want them to be eating a lot of sugar and crap. They have the ingredients listed on the back that you can actually understand and they have been so generous to give us a 25% off discount with our first order of an exclusive pack of six adult bars and four kid bars so the whole family is able to enjoy you can order yours at rxbar.com backslash rxsb I know you have been seeing these cute little vitamin packs on Instagram and guess what They are from Care Of. It is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. That's right. They have an online quiz that asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices. And it only takes five minutes to figure out what vitamins and supplements you specifically need. If you are worried about taking them, you can track your progress with the Care Of app and earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins. You can get your vitamins at TakeCareOf.com. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hi, Brittany. Welcome to Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am so excited to have you on today to talk about open enrollment for single moms. How are you doing? I am doing really good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to um, be here talking to you as well. 
Awesome. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a I'm a single mom of a lovely, beautiful girl. Her name is Bela. Um, I'm currently residing in central Pennsylvania where I work for one of the biggest um, healthcare insurance providers on the East Coast, Highmark United Concordia. I'm currently working on my master's of um, business administration. So I'm two classes away of becoming Brittany Cater Gachu MBA. I'm really excited about that. But at the company, I started off as a customer care advocate where I worked in the Affordable Health Care Act unit. So I know, um, I know a lot about health insurance policies um, with, with that market. Um, currently, I've been promoted, so I'm now working in the provider relations department where I ensure um, we have enough providers on board to serve our consumers. So I just, I love working in healthcare insurance. It's, it's really great. That's awesome. So what I'm going to do right now is kind of break down some basic terms for the moms who may not understand what all of the healthcare jargon is. But before we get into that, I just want everybody to know that typically open enrollment begins on November 1st and it usually ends mid-December. Now, depending on your company, they will set the dates until you, when you can um, sign up or, you know, when the last day is. So let's get into these terms. So premiums are basically uh, the amount that is deducted from your check. If you have it through your job, then you know that it's payroll deducted. Right. That is correct. And then um, um, if you have individual insurance, you will pay this by the due date. And so you're going to speak a little bit about this later when you talk about the ACA and how all of that works. So as far as the correct, so, correct. this is the amount that you pay each year before your health insurance kicks in completely. Now, if you want to jump in, Brittany, just let me know um, as I'm going through the list if there's something that you want to add, okay? Sure. Yeah. So let's touch a little base about deductibles because a lot of people working in customer service, when I, when I would talk to people who were, this was their first time getting health insurance, they were very confused about what a deductible was. A lot of people just thought, you know, um, I have insurance, it's going to pay. That's not always the case. So they, they have no um, knowledge about how deductible works. So this is very important because the deductible amount could vary depending on what type of policy you have. You could have an individual deductible, which applies to, every, to each individual that's on the policy, or family in the deductible. That is the amount for everyone on the policy. So example of that is, let's say um, single moms, it's just you and your, your daughter. And the individual deductible amount is $400 each. That $400 is for you and then for your, your child. Total together, the family deductible amount may be 800 And the total deductible amount is, is a combined of everyone on the policy. When an insurance company sends you your, we call them EOBs, um, but they're a summary of how your ben benefits work, you'll see how each person is contributing to that deductible amount. So, for example, I'll, I'll use me and my daughter as an example. Our, de our insurance has individual deductible amounts of 400 
Um, my daughter has a lot of asthma problems, so she contributes a lot to her individual deductible a lot through her visits to her asthma doctor. And I'll get the summary saying, Bela has contributed $200 to her individual deductible. And the 200 also goes to our 800 deductible amount as well. So it, the deductibles are very important because those are the amounts that you have to reach before your insurance starts to pay the coinsurance. And, and we'll, we'll get into the, to that definition as well. But again, deductibles are very important because it is an amount that you are responsible for before your insurance company starts to pay a larger portion of certain services. Some services don't apply to the deductible. Um, those type of services are like your annual health care screenings. But for other services that do apply to your deductible, it's very important to understand how your deductible works because then it depends, that will de depend on how your insurance company will pay for that service. So, Kim, if you want to pick up on the next definition. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, next we're going to get into co-payment. So, this is basically the fixed amount that you are going to pay each time you get a particular type of service. And this may not count towards your deductible. So I'll just use an example. So just say if you're going to see um, your primary care physician or your PCP, um, your copay may be $20 for just a general visit. So right, $20 right. payment you will have to make before you leave that office. And sometimes they want to collect it up front. Right. And let me just touch on that. Um, again, sometimes they do want to collect it up front. Always talk to your, your PCP or your specialist, who, <clears throat> excuse me, whoever you're seeing. Because sometimes co-payments can be very high depending on, depending on what you're getting done. So again, they may want it up front. They may not want it up front. But also always remember, moms, that when you're getting that annual service done, that annual um, child's physical, your annual OBGYN, you shouldn't be paying a, a co-payment. So right. always check into, yeah, always check into how you're, because every, every benefits are different for most people, but I believe that is set in stone law that for annual services, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't even be paying a copayment. But always check in with your, um, with your healthcare insurance supplier and see how they're administering that benefit. So that that's always good to know. Yes, for sure. I think it's called um, comprehensive care or comprehensive services or something like that. It's just your annual. Benefit. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Awesome. Right. Right. All right, so um, co-insurance, this is the percentage of cost of a covered service after you've met your annual deductible. Um, Brittany, do you want to give an example, or I can try to give one about co-insurance? Right, co-insurance is the most exciting part about health insurance because this is when you have met your deductible and your insurance company starts to pay. I did mention that a little bit when I was explaining the deductible, so let me go back. So again, remember we were talking about that individual deductible and that family deductible amount. So let's say, let's say Bela reaches our, her $400 deductible amount. Going back to that example I was giving, that $400 deductible amount of, of our insurance. So co-insurance does vary. So you always, moms, you always want to check with um, your insurance supplier and see what your percentage is. So after you meet your deductible, your insurance company should, should start to pay a certain percentage. 
um, which is the co-insurance. It can vary from, I've seen some plans that are only paying 40%, that only pay 50%, 70%, 80%, 90%. Some, I, I, I have yet to see some that pay 100 but it's really nice when you have insurance companies that are paying like 70 or 80%. So anywho, when that co-insurance kicks in, you are only responsible for the lesser percentage. So you meet your deductible. If you have a policy that states after you meet your individual or your family deductible, we pay 80%, then that means that you're only responsible for 20% of that service. So understanding the percentage of your co-insurance and, and what your insurance company is paying um, is very important because that's when you'll get to know what your out-of-pocket responsibility is. It, it, and typically it's less, but depending on what type of service you may be having done, um, it, just knowing that helps you plan on how much you need to be saving for a certain service, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So the out-of-pocket maximum, I think you were getting to the out-of-pocket cost um, just briefly, but it is the overall amount that a health insurance company can require you to pay. So it's like once you pay that set amount, then they should be covering everything. Right. This is when your insurance company should be paying all eligible cover services at 100%. So let me back it up. And I'm going to just quickly summarize everything we talked about, Kim, so um, so our moms could really understand the importance of reaching an out-of-pocket amount and how beautiful it is. Okay. So sure. again, you have your you have your deductible. Let's say your deductible amount is five hundred dollars. You met your deductible. Your insurance starts to pay the coinsurance. Let's say your coinsurance is 80%. So you reach that deductible. That's when your health insurance company starts to pay the co-insurance amount of 80%. You're only paying 20%. But let's say your out-of-pocket amount is $1,000. Remember, your deductible amount also goes into your out-of-pocket amount. So even though your insurance company is paying that 80% co-insurance, the 20% co-insurance that you're still paying is going into that out-of-pocket amount. So once you reach that, the out-of-pocket amount, you met your deductible, your insurance starts to pay, you're only paying 20% now. That 20% is going in, into the out-of-pocket amount. You reach that out-of-pocket amount, and I'm just giving a threshold example of $1,000. You reach that now, you don't have any out-of-pocket responsibility anymore. All eligible covered services under your health insurance plan should now be covered at 100%. That that's that's great. A lot of people seldom reach their out of pocket amount. So again, it's very important to understand what this amount is. And once you understand what that amount is, you can become a little bit more strategic if you want on how you can reach that amount so you can save money. Some people don't really care as long as you know certain services. Some people are okay with just meeting the deductible and just paying the twenty percent, but Again, it's very important to know that amount, plan on how to reach it, um, and what time of the year you do reach it. Because let's say you reach it in the middle of the year, the rest of the year your services are going to be covered at 100%. Now, another big thing to know is every year your deductible and your out-of-pocket amount start over. 
So this is why throughout there, it's, it's very important to maybe set up a strategic plan on how you can reach your out-of-pocket amount in the middle of the year so you can save money throughout the rest of the year on your healthcare services. That's very, very, very important. Again, because that deductible starts over every year. I've talked to some consumers that say, wait, I've met my deductible. I'm at my deductible in October. This service should be free. And, and you have to apologize and say, you know, it's January. Your, your deductible starts over every year. So sometimes people are really excited because they think they're, you know, they're, they're investing in themselves and their health insurance. But again, if you're not strategic about it and that deductible starts over, you might have thrown some money away into the deductible and, have not, and not been able to take advantage of your coinsurance or that out-of-pocket amount. So I hope, I hope that makes sense because it's really, really important to, to really sit down and figure, hey, how can I reach my out-of-pocket amount at a certain time where I'm not paying more? So that's very, very, very important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I just want to say this, that for me and my daughter, we don't go to the doctor that much. So I okay. never really have to worry about the out-of-pocket maximum or honestly, like any of that, because, you know, like we don't ever go that much. Now, I may have to take her like for a sick visit, like here and there, but then we just cut right. the copay. Or if we don't have to pay the copay, then I just pay like the urgent care fee. Uh, most of the time, right. I don't really go to the emergency room, but we'll get into that a little bit um, later in the show. So, right, okay. in network. So these uh, are providers that have agreed to the contracted rate. So a lot of times, when you're looking over your insurance plan, it'll say in network and out of network. So right. out of network are the providers that have not agreed to the contracted rate with your insurance company. And actually this is subject to like additional fees or you may have to right. like the whole thing yourself if it's not Correct. a network provider. Right. Right. And and this is kind of where I'm, where I'm at with my company now where I'm responsible for recruiting providers. So we have a, a, a very vast network of in network providers so our consumers never feel like you know it's not enough it's not enough providers in your network you know they're out of network they're out of network and so they feel like they're paying more an in network provider and what i'll say about this a lot of people do understand this concept but when you go to an in network provider you're seeing a provider who has agreed to see you as a member at a at a contractual rate so it, it's very important to try to find an in network provider if you are seeing an in-network provider, and for some reason, they no longer are um, participating in your health care insurance's um, network, you, um, it's very important that you contact your health care insurance company to find out, you know, who you can see that's in, in network. But sometimes you can see an out-of-network provider, and we could talk about that a little bit more when we discuss preferred provider organization and the health maintenance organizations, because there are different types of insurance policies that do allow um, their consumers to see out-of-network providers. Right, so right. It's not, it's not always set in stone. Yeah, it's like some plans will pay a, a certain percentage for those um, right. network providers, and then you have some that won't pay anything. You'll be responsible for Correct. the um, entire cost of the visit. Right. 
Yeah. Right, so let's right, jump right, into right. a PPO. So a lot of you will see these letters and you're like, what's a PPO? So a PPO is a preferred provider organization. It's basically a health plan that contracts with medical providers such as hospitals and networks to create a network of participating providers. So this is what you were just talking about, how you were working with the company to kind of get this network of providers together. So with the PPO, you typically pay less to use the providers in that network and you don't have to have. Right. And so um, you have another type of organization that's called HMO. So this is a health maintenance organization and, In this one, you can only see providers in that network, and there are usually more restrictions for coverage. So, uh, for example, you can only go a certain amount of times. You can only do, like, specific tests or treatments, and you may have to select a PCP or a primary care physician, and they usually have to refer you. Now, these things are usually cheaper, Um, But if you go out of network, a lot of the times, like we were talking about earlier, the services won't be covered. So you have to be careful when you're choosing these HMO plans. When I was a customer care advocate and and when I talked to consumers who were picking their policies, I often always would encourage them to get the PPOs because what's beautiful about PPOs is that you can actually find in-network providers all across America, where HPOs, you're, you're very limited to providers within your area. That's, that's one of the big differences when it comes to a PPO versus a HMO. And with a PPO, let's say you're still in your area. And let's say you, you have, like I was saying before, you have a favorite PCP or you have a doctor that you really built a great rapport with and they just decided not to um, participate with your health insurance network anymore, but you want to stay with them. You can continue to see them, although they're out of network, but then you will be seeing them, but it would be at a higher rate. When you have a PPO and you're seeing that out of network provider, you still have out-of-network benefits, but it's just that your deductible is a little bit higher. So mm-hmm. remember that individual $400 deductible that I was always giving as an example in the beginning of our conversation. That's an example of a individual in-network deductible. But let's say, you know, I want to see an out-of-network provider. The example of an out-of-network individual deductible amount may be, I'll give an example of 1200 well, 1300 will be the individual deductible amount. The coinsurance amount may be a little lower. So instead of seeing that in-network coinsurance amount of 80%, if you have a PPO and you want to go see an out-of-network provider, the coinsurance amount may only be 40 or 30%. And then the out-of-pocket amount is going to be very, very high. It may be 5,000 individual family. Uh, it could be 10. Again, that out-of-network amount can be um, very high. But again, when you have a PPO, it's not, it's not like you can't see an out-of-network provider, but your out-of-network benefits are designed kind of to discourage you from seeing an out-of-network provider because your health insurance pays less. It's not that you don't have coverage. You just don't have as much. 
and you pay more. But if you have a preference with a certain provider and you and they're out of network, but you have a PPO, you'll have some coverage. It just won't be as much. But if you have an HMO, you don't have any out of network coverage at all. So if you go to see an out of network provider, you're going to be paying that that bill. So when you have an HMO, it's it's very best to pick and stick with in-network providers and in-network specialists. Because again, with an HMO, you really don't have that flexibility like a PPO to see out-of-network providers. To be honest with you, when you have a PPO, Kim, you can literally go anywhere in the world yeah, to, you and find an in-network, an in-network provider. And I guess that's what that suitcase is, um, is representing. But with an HMO, you, you really don't have that flexibility. So when you guys are, are picking out your, your policies, if you have a chance to get a PPO, especially for mothers who may have children that may need to see a specialist, if you have a, a child that may have um, eczema or like my daughter, she asthma runs in my family, so she, she's always at the asthma doctor. But if you have a child that needs to see a specialist, a PPO is is for you because you have more flexibility. You don't always have to go and get a referral. You can see a specialist and say, you know, I'm really not feeling the specialist, and move on to the next with with freedom. So I I always encourage people to get the PPOs. Another thing, another plan that is that's intermediate from the PPO and the H um, HMO or EPOs. A lot. I, I I won't go into depth with that. A lot of companies are um, offering that to employees, and it's a mixture of great benefits from a PPO and then and then quality of qualities of a HMO as well. So that it's 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 right in the middle of PPO and HMO world. And if your um, employer is offering an EPO, and it, that may be a little bit cheaper. Um, then your PPO, look into that because it's not as bad. It's not, it's not as good as a PPO, but it's not as bad as an HMO either. So those are also good as well. Yes. So I totally agree with that. If you can afford the PPO, go for it. Like HMO has so many more like disadvantages um, than the PPO. So now if you right. are self-employed, you're a single mompreneur, or maybe you don't work right now and you're a student and you're having to purchase your individual insurance, you are responsible right. for paying your entire premium and you may be able to qualify for a subsidy um, that is paid by the government or that you could claim um, during tax time. Now for this, right. um, I don't have a whole lot of experience with, but Brittany does. And so Brittany, you can talk about this a little bit more. You can enroll through healthcare.gov directly from a health insurance company, insure.com, ehealth.com, licensed insurance agents, and the list goes on as far as enrolling um, by yourself if you're not, you know, getting insurance through your employer. For moms who are self-employed, who are entrepreneurs, or for um, moms who are even employed, or if you're at, you work for a small company, or if you just don't like the, the the policies that are being offered by your employer, you you can um, and enroll through the affordable health care through healthcare.gov. Now, I'm going to throw out all the names so everyone can know what we're talking about because 
and I and Kim, I'm even going to pull throw out the, the political incorrect names for ACA. <laughs> so just <laughs> so everyone can just know. So everyone can just know what we're talking about because a lot of people, a lot of people call it ACA, which is Affordable Healthcare Act. A lot of people call it um, Obamacare because this was a law that was administered by the Obama administration. So yes, we are talking about Obamacare. That is not the political correct term, but a lot of people do call it that. Um, or a HHS plan, Health and Human Services. But we're all talking about plans that healthcare plans that are coming from the government. If you want to talk to a rep, Health and Human Services, they have live representatives that are available to you 24 hours a day where you can call and you could talk to a representative. The, the phone number is on um, healthcare.gov, so you can Google it and you can get that phone number. But you can speak to a live representative. Again, they're open 24 hours a day. And they walk through the application step by step, and they help you get enrolled. So let, let's just talk about enrollment for a bit. When you get a policy through, through the government, because essentially that's what it is, you're getting a, a policy through the government. All of your enrollment is done through the government. It's done through healthcare.gov. It's done through HHS. So even if you are enrolling with a, a licensed agent, or if you go to an alternative site where you're either, either speaking to an a agent, you're still the middle party. They're still going to um, the government, to healthcare.gov, HHS, and enrolling you. So even though you can go to a licensed agent and you can go to alternative sites, I want to be um, completely transparent and encourage you to go directly through HHS or healthcare.gov or call um, a representative at HHS to help you get enrolled because then you're, you're not confusing yourself with another middleman. Because again, all enrollment is done through the government. They collect your, your information, your name, um, social security number, you know, information about um, the, the people in your family and your income information. All of that is done through HHS. And one of the reasons why they collect your income information is because they need that information to, to see if you qualify for a subsidy. And a subsidy is basically money that's given to healthcare insurance companies to help pay for your portion of the premium. So let's say um, you call HHS and you, you give them all your information and you give them your income information. They'll, they'll say, okay, you qualify for a tax credit of X amount. So what that looks like is typically uh, a premium for one individual can run anywhere from 200 to $300 a month. But once they give you those premiums, those premiums, depending on what your income is, can pay for half of that amount. So let's say your premium is $300 and you're getting a tax subsidy from the government that's $150 based on your income, you're only responsible for $150 yourself. So that's why it's very important to report correct income information to the government so you can get the correct subsidy. Now, um, for entrepreneurs who may have a fluctuating income, what's very important about, about that is when you report your income 
to HHS, again, you're getting a subsidy based on how much uh, your potential income. Entrepreneurs, and even people who aren't, it's very important, but entrepreneurs, I really want you to pay attention to, to this part. It's very important that you really stay on top of reporting your income to the government because let's say one, let's say you, you call during open enrollment, you're doing as an entrepreneur, your, your, um, your, your business is doing good and you may have estimated that you might bring in, uh, I mean, what, 70,000 for your business. And then one month you do bad and you're like, man, I don't think I want to bring in 70. I might bring in 50 or, whoa, I'm doing really good. I'm, I'm, I might even bring in 80. It's important that you always report your, your flux, your fluctuating income to the, to the government because then they'll adjust your tax credit. If you don't report it, report it during tax time, I've seen people kind of getting a little crunch. I'll explain that a little. So, again, when you report your income to the government, they're giving you a tax credit based on your income. When you go to file your taxes, and, and you know, a lot of people might not, a lot of people have been seeing this now. They ask you if you had health insurance, and you, put, you pick yes, and then they ask you, did you have health insurance through the ACA? And if you pick yes, then They'll see your, your annual growth and they'll say, well, wait a minute, you reported to the to HHS, healthcare.gov, that you were only going to make 70. We gave you a higher tax credit because we thought you were only going to make 70,000. Here it is, you made 90. You owe us money back. But here's how you get, a, a get around that. Let's say entrepreneurs, you, you call the marketplace and you say, you know, I might only make 50 this year. Okay. You get a tax credit of X amount, but they give you that option. Do you want to take all of that tax credit or do you want to take some of it or do you want to take none of it? It's two ways that you can get around this. You can, what I tell people, especially entrepreneurs, sometimes it's best to not take the tax credit. Just during tax time, you don't end up owing any money. That's one way out of it. You can say, no, I don't want the tax credit. I know by law I need health insurance, so I'm going to get my health insurance. I'm not going to. You guys don't have to. You don't have to help me pay for my for my premium. I'll pay for it, and I'll just collect the money at the end of the year. So, so, so talk to a tax professional about how that works when you don't take the don't take the subsidy, or you can take half of it. Still, still a risk, but you're still in a safe boat. Or you can overestimate your income that way you're still not getting you're, you're you're still getting a tax credit but you still might not get the the amount of a tax credit that you should have got as my role as a customer care advocate assisting um members who have policies through the through the ACA especially those who are entrepreneurs I always heard the horror stories of I'll give you a personal story. I was talking to a guy. He was a plumber. God bless his soul. Um, he, he, he retired, um, but he still wanted some additional income. He, he became a plumber. And he said, I reported that, you know, I was only going to make 60 because, you know, I, I was only doing plumbing part time. But I did really good. 
I, I did really good. And I ended up owing them $5,000 because I didn't know to report my fluctuating income. Because again, the Affordable Health Care Act, this is something that's very new. And I have to be honest, Kim, when I say that the, the project management for it was, was a little shaky. A lot of consumers didn't know what all they needed to report to the government to, to keep their insurance, to keep their tax credit um, going throughout the year. And um, just to keep just to keep things in harmony with getting insurance from, from the marketplace or HHS. But so this plumber ended up owing the government $5,000 because he thought he only was going to make 50. He ended up doing really good that year and made more. And they gave him a bigger tax credit because he reported a lower income. He ended up paying out more. And he ended up, that was a really bad experience for him because even though he made more, he didn't think, well, you know, I, I have health insurance now, you know, and I, I have my company. He he wasn't thinking, well, you know, I'm still, I still may have to pay out of pocket for getting help from the government. But potentially mothers who are entrepreneurs, this is very important because you might end up in this boat if you are, if you do not stay on top of reporting uh, your income that, that fluctuates. But if you don't have time for that, again, don't take the tax credit. I, I'm I, I'm going to emphasize that. Don't take yeah. it. Yeah. And like I was saying earlier, instead of, you know, like just claiming that credit now, you can definitely do it during tax time and save as well. Right. Right. Now, I really don't. I, I would I would emphasize the talk. If you if you want to claim that credit, talk to a tax professional before you enroll and say, how will that work if I don't take the tax credit? How will I see that money back? I haven't heard horror stories about consumers not seeing their money back during tax time, but I, I haven't heard any stories, to be honest with you. Yeah, I haven't so I would talk to talk about that either, but like you said, definitely consult a tax professional, or if you have a CPA right. business, they should be able to kind of educate you on that. Right, right, right. But I can definitely tell people on on ways to avoid owing. When you're first enrolling in your benefits, the first thing that comes up is your medical plan. So people always right. want to know, how do I decide which plan is the best? All right, y'all. So I have a quick word from our sponsors. Care of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. They have an actual online quiz that asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices. And it's super quick. They say it only takes five minutes, but um, I probably got done before that. And I actually had to call my grandma to um, <laughs> ask her about uh, some family history. Like, I think one of the questions was about heart health, um, bone health, if like your family has had any issues, um, and that sort of thing. So that was super cool. I was like, wow. And then at the end, um, they give you your recommended list of vitamins that you need, and you can click on each one to find out what it actually does. So what are the functions? And if you think you actually need to order that one, if you don't, you can simply remove that from your pack and you can go on to review the next one. And then at the end, once you're done reviewing all of your recommendations, you can simply check out 
or you can add more vitamins that you think you need. I mean, it gets specific as um, if energy is an issue for you, there is a vitamin for energy. Like, I believe it was a B12 complex. So, yeah, y'all, definitely check it out. Care of puts honesty first, and they provide all the research that supports each of their recommendations. And they have this cool app where you can track your progress and earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins. You can cancel the subscription box at any time. And if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, don't worry. They have supplement options for you as well. You can get your vitamins at TakeCareOf.com. RX Bar is a whole food protein, so that means that their bars are made with real whole ingredients. They have core ingredients such as egg whites, dates, and nuts. And if you flip the package over on the back, if you read the ingredients, you can understand them all. Um, and they're simple. You actually know what's in the bars, okay? So, you know, most of us, we're looking for real whole food ingredients and our X bar wanted to build things the right way. They have adult bars that come in 14 delicious flavors, such as peanut butter, peanut butter, chocolate, chocolate, sea salt, blueberry, and more. And they also have a kid's line as well. And that is really awesome because, you know, my daughter, she's always wanting to taste my protein bars and they're not that tasty for kids. But our X bar has made them with the kids in mind. So they wanted to provide an option that fits their little lifestyles and nutrition expectations. So they have a softer texture and the nuts are chopped up into smaller pieces. They come in six flavors like chocolate chip, peanut butter and jelly, double chocolate chip and peanut butter chocolate. They are gluten free, soy free and dairy free. So perfect for you if you are going to work out or you want to do breakfast on the go or your kids need a snack to go in their lunch bag. And it gets even sweeter. RX Bar is offering my listeners an exclusive pack of six adult bars and four kid bars so the whole family is able to enjoy at 25% off. You can visit rxbar.com backslash rxsb. So, right. Brittany, from my standpoint, you know, I have my entrance through um, my company that I work for. I look at the plans. Okay. So, I know McKinley and I, we don't really go to the doctor much. I know we go for our annual visits and she might get sick once or twice during the year. So, right. I'm most of the time looking for the lowest cost because I know right. that we don't go much. Now, if you have a child that is or like you you have your asthma visits or whatever right that may not be the best option for you so you want to look at how often is it um what did last year look like in terms of like the cost of the plan that you had did you go to the doctor a lot were you not there a lot like how does that look for you um did you have a lot of prescriptions i currently don't take any medicine praise the lord um (laughs) like i'm right yeah control so i don't i don't take like any kind of medicine now mckinley on the other hand she does have some eczema cream and um, she has like a nasal spray that was prescribed um because she has allergies but other than that like that's all we have as far as prescription so that lowest plan still works for me and then i'm my flexible spending account for like the extra stuff and we'll get into that in a little bit um but 
you want to know like how the plan is going to work for you and what's best for you your situation you can't compare it to everybody else oh girl you got this plan right let me get that too you know what i'm saying and so you also want to look at like um are you going to be having surgery this year and if that is right you want to look at the options for that you want to compare the plans and see what plan has the best option for that um also looking at the networks um is the doctor that you Mm -hmm. currently see is there are they in the network and if you're going for a ppo plan then it may not matter but if you're going for hmo plan then that may be something you want to consider and so i've already talked about comparing the cost so you want to do that as well and then looking at the deductibles out-of-pocket costs and all of those terms that we went over earlier and then um you don't always have to go with an insurance plan through your company or the ACA, if you qualify for CHIP or Medicaid, that's something that you can right. um, as well, because you may be feeling like, oh, well, you're paying a lot of money for health insurance, mm-hmm. and you can't really afford it. Well, look into CHIP and Medicaid. Sometimes you may qualify. I know the number is so low. Actually, I don't know the exact amount, but I think maybe for CHIP, if you make like 30000 or so, um, you may be able to well, it varies. depending on how many kids you have. I'm right. not sure of the exact amount, so y'all gonna have to go Google that unless you know Brittany. But um, I do. Well, oh, here's, do? here's okay. the okay. Yeah, okay. well, considering that you have listeners, it varies. Chip chip guidelines vary from state to state. Okay. So the income guideline, and in, because in, I'm in Pennsylvania, so the income guideline in Pennsylvania may be totally different from the chip in, um the chip income guideline in New Jersey. But the 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 um the wonderful thing about CHIP or, or Medicaid is um if for for our for mothers out there who are interested in ACA, again remember how I was saying Kim how you gotta report your income. So you and sometimes that's why it's best to call to Google um health care.gov and get that number and call a live representative on the mm-hmm. phone because you could be putting your income in and they'll be able to say, you know, you don't qualify. You, you may under the threshold to even pay for a premium, even with a tax subsidy, you qualify for medic, Medicaid. And the great thing about it is they automatically kick your application to Medicaid, which is awesome because you don't, calling Medicaid can be a little, a, a little testy. It can be, it can be a little rumptious. And then you, I mean, you also can apply through your, um, I know in Pennsylvania, uh, you can go through the Department of Welfare and you can apply that way. But if you don't want to go that way, if you don't want to apply through the Department of Welfare for Medicaid or for, for CHIP, again, you can call HHS. And once they get your income information, if they see you, you fall below a certain income threshold, they'll automatically kick your application to Medicaid. And then it gets started that way. Medicaid, um, it, you you really don't have to worry about high deductibles. Um, you don't have to worry about the out of pocket amount. The way that those plans are designed are are really great, and and those plans are designed to help people that don't have a lot of money to pay for out of pocket expenses when it comes to to medic um, medical services and and they still a lot of those plans are HMO but they still are quality um, so for for mothers out there who still may be making a good amount of money but 
you might have um, more than um, one child, maybe three or four kids, you might actually still want to look into um, a Medicaid plan because, again, there are still quality plans and they're very cost effective and it really will help you get ahead. Another point that you were talking about, if you don't want to deal with um, a policy through your employer or through the HHS, you can go directly to the health insurance and you can get a direct pay plan. It's the same type of policy that, um, they're the same type of policies that the Affordable Health Care Act plans um, offer through health insurance companies and your employer might offer, except you get to pick your plan um, and you are paying the total premium amount. Sometime employer plans are designed a little bit different because, Kim, I know you have an HR background. You understand that sometimes employers design plans a little bit different for their employers. And sometimes people don't like those plans, so they just go directly through the health insurance, pick their policies themselves. Now, just to touch a little base on um, picking a plan, Kim, you, you, you really you made a lot of good points on um, what people should be thinking about what mothers should be thinking about when they go to um to pick a plan and if you're a mom and you know you you're just going for your annuals like you know you know your daughter your daughter your son um just has to go for the annual checkup to get into school or you know your daughter your son it's it's flu season they got a little cough or you know it's something going around in daycare they picked up a virus you know, you're just seeing a doctor here and there. I've seen a lot of people go for um, the high deductible policy because even though they don't go to the doctor, they don't go to the doctor a lot. And so they're thinking they don't want to pay a lot or they don't want a lot taken out of their, their check. They, they pick the high deductible policies because those policies really do not cost a lot at all. I mean, you may be paying, at my job, a lot of people who pick those policies, they may be paying $60 a pay. Oh, wow. That's like um, super cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, that's, that's for a health insurance company, but they also give us like credits, like health credits, credits too. where they, too. Um, okay, good. Yeah. Good. And I forgot to mention so, that. So some people probably are wondering, like, what are we talking about when you talk about credit? So yeah, so let's let's touch on that. Let's touch on that. Yeah. So for moms <laughs> out there that, so yeah, so for moms out there that might be um, working for like a hospital or a healthcare insurance company or any type of company that basically the targeted market is the target market is around health or wellness. Um, sometimes your employer will give pay towards your um, health insurance, I'm sorry, yeah, your health insurance premium policy if you're A, a non-smoker. So if, if, if you don't smoke and you report that to them, they're like, you know, you, you don't have any, you're not a health risk us. Let mm-hmm. us help us pay for your, your premium and they'll give you, what, 40 or $50 towards your premium. Or, yeah, I um, think we get like 50 yeah. Yeah, or... Um, Let's say at my job, I'll use my job as an example. So if you don't smoke, they'll, they'll give you a health, a health credit where they'll put like $50. The employer will put $50 towards your premium. So that discounts it. But then they also make us go and get blood work. Oh, and if you have, yeah, they also set them up with like um, 
what are they called? Health and wellness counselors to help them get on the right track yeah. to get healthy. Mm-hmm. But let's say we your have, employer and you get your, where you can um, sign up um, for like a, a wellness um, consultation. Right. That's exactly what it is. And then let's say, and, and, and here's the golden thing about that. So let's say you get your blood work done and your cholesterol is high or, you know, you're just not meeting the qualifications to get that health credit. They'll say, okay, that's fine. We still value the employer. We, we still want to help you out. Just meet with a health and wellness coach. Do four sessions, and as long as you complete those four sessions, you'll still you'll still get your health credit. So, mom, look into the health credits if you if you work for a, a company that their market or um you know what what the organization is about is health and wellness. If they offer those type of credits, do take advantage of that because you can go from paying a two hundred dollar premium to as low as one hundred and twenty. So what that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's like six. Yeah, that's like $60 each pay, and that could be for, I know that, that's a rough estimate of um, one of uh, one of my coworkers who got the high um, deductible plan, and that's for her and her child. She's a very close friend of mine. But she ends up, she doesn't go to the doctors a lot. She maybe, she maybe go once, you know, once a year for her wellness. And again, like I mentioned before, those wellness visits are um, their annual visits, so it's no copay. They're covered at 100%. They're not applying to the deductible. So she's like, I'm just going to get the high deductible plan because we're healthy. We don't, you know, we don't go to the doctors a lot. So again, you have to think about your lifestyle. Yeah. And I wanted to mention something that I don't think we talked about, but I just wanted to say like, moms, if you um, are having to have insurance and your kids have to for Medicaid, then you may actually have some different options. As for me, right. one year, I decided not to, and I'm not encouraging you all to do this, so please, before I say this, don't be like, well, Kim said, you know, I'm just going to tell you right. what I did. One year, I was able to um, not opt in for insurance, period, right? So Ooh, that year, okay. I think the penalty was around 100 and something dollars. I think I had already um, seen my um, physician or OB before my annual visit. And so I was like um, taking on this like contract job. I think it was the year I actually moved to Houston because I was leaving my job and I was going to move here and find another job. So I went ahead and got all my, you know, um, medical visits and, um, you know, I didn't know whatever I needed before I left my job because I knew I wasn't going to have insurance. And so um, mm-hmm. if you get it like part of the year, um, it's okay. But then I ended up working a contract job and they did not provide insurance. Right. So what happened was that whole year that I worked for them, I was not able to get insurance and my daughter qualified for, um, it was either Medicaid or CHIP. And so right. in that year, I didn't, I didn't get insurance and I only had to pay the penalty that year. Like I said, I think it was around hundred um, something dollars, but that's one option. So if your kid is on, you know, like Medicaid or chip and you don't really see the doctor a lot, um, you may want to find out like how much that annual visit is and you can pay that right. um, versus like paying, you know, six to $900 a year for medical insurance. If you don't go now, I'm not saying that emergencies, won't come up because you know just so happened if I would have been involved in a car accident and the person didn't have insurance or I needed surgery or something I wouldn't have known what to do you know what I'm saying but it did allow me to save that uh, money that I would have spent like 
with healthcare.gov or with the individual insurance company right that you know what i'm saying so if you're in a crunch and you want to just go one year without insurance um, and you don't have the money that's one thing that you can do and then another thing you can do is if your child does have chip or medicaid again you can sign up like straight with the um you know, with the healthcare company like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, United Healthcare, any of mm-hmm. those, or you can go through the Affordable um, Care Act, like the healthcare.gov marketplace. So those are some options that you have. You don't always have to go through your employer just because they offer. No, Sometimes you, don't. you can, you know, find cheaper prices because you're just single. Like you don't need it for your kid. You just need it for you because they're already covered. And then with Chip or Medicaid, you can enroll at any time, unlike you know normal insurance like so um you have to enroll for yourself during open enrollment but if you're a kid like if you something happens and you have a change in income or something like that then still apply for chip or medicaid you never know um they, they're either going to tell you yes or no and if they tell you yes all you have to do is remove the child from your employer's insurance and you can save money like that as well. right so i just and you can to, um, remove your child yeah, you can just yeah, I'm sorry. now. So I just wanted to throw that out there because we didn't cover that. But moving right along into the dental plan now, this is not as complex as a medical plan. You just want to basically no. decide between the PPO and the HMO. And it's the same concept. The PPO generally has more flexibility and coverage and the HMO doesn't. Like um, one of my coworkers has an HMO plan and they have really crappy dentists in the network. So <laughs> I'm mm. just like me. I'm a person. I like to go where I want to go. So I'm always doing PPO with medical or dental. And that's just me. Right. If you're a person and you've been seeing this one dentist for years and years and years. And he's in the HMO network. Then that's fine for you. You can save your money. But a lot of times they don't cover um, as much as the PPO does. And their uh, maximums are not as much. So you want to calculate the value of the plan. And if you know you have a lot of dental issues that you're going to need to take care of, then I would definitely go uh, with the PPO plan. But if you have, you know, pretty good oral health and you're, you've been taking care of your teeth and you just need your cleanings, then, you know, HMO might be the way to go for you. So you have to decide um, for yourself and decide whether you're going to add your kids to your plan. So for me and my situation now, Brittany, I don't know what you do, but I don't add my daughter to my dental or my vision plan because it, it doesn't um, pull out to be the best thing to do because I was like, well, for the dentist, I think her visit is like $75 and she has to only go twice a year. So that's like $150. Well, when I calculated the cost of like paying, I don't know, 40 or $50 per month times 12, that adds up to way more money than just $150. So what I do is set aside that $150 and put it in my flexible spending account. That way my daughter's dental visits are covered because she has pretty good oral health. That's you know, smart. So, yeah, that's um, really, really smart. For my dental plan. So I have PPO just, you know, to reiterate. And my daughter is not on my plan now. Again, you can determine what's best for your situation. And basically the formula is determine how much the plan costs and right. multiply that by 12. And that will give you the amount yeah. that you're paying for the year. Now, Brittany, you can right. kind of, you know, give insight to that yeah. if you want or if you feel just, like I pretty much got it. Just quickly. No, you. I'll be quick about it. You explained it really good. And like you said, it's about being strategic. But it's also about your lifestyle. Um, if you know that your kid is not, doesn't have a sweet tooth and they typically don't get a lot of cavities and, and, they're, and you're on top of their oral health, yeah, don't add them. Um, if you know with vision... Vision can be hereditary. If you know 
um, have 2020 vision. Your child's father has 2020 vision. Um, uh, people um, in your family really don't wear glasses like that. Your child probably won't need glasses. Again, it, again, it's all about lifestyle when you want to make those choices. But if you know your kid has a sweet tooth and cavities may pack up, or you don't have 20-20 vision, or both parents don't have 20-20 vision, I started wearing glasses at four. I knew it was um, a chance that my daughter might have to start wearing glasses very young. So I put her on both um, the dental and vision. But again, um, if, if you know your child is not going to need glasses or they're on top of their oral health, what you explain, Kim, is perfect. Um, strategizing it that way to save money, that, that, that would be that's perfect because you don't want, I mean, even though dental and vision plans are, are very cheap, it does add up that what a, a vision dental plan together could be what, like $30. Like sometimes right. it's more like it gets expensive when you add the kids to the plans. Right. 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 So, so I, again, I didn't step into vision, but thank you um, for that because I just wanted to say basically that for vision, you do the same thing that I was telling you to do for dental, like calculate the value of the plan. Um, and like you said, like if you have a history a family history of people with glasses, then you may want to add your kid, but my daughter is five. And so like some right. optometrists here and I'm in Houston won't see the kids until they're like five or six. And I know from right. the four-year-old yeah. um, annual checkup, her pediatrician, they checked her eyes. So they um, did the exam for her. That's and nice. Then, um, That's nice. This year she got it. She's five and she got it done at school. So just figure out um, what mm. works best for you and your situation. And like you said, your right. lifestyle. So you can always like save money, but then if you want to get them again, you know, to have an eye appointment, you can also set aside that money as well for your flexible spending account if it works out to be cheaper. Right. And then um, what a lot, if you don't want to put your child on the dental or vision plan and they just so happen, you just so happen to be paying for those cleanings and they just so happen to have a cavity mm -hmm. and, and you can't add them to your dental parents it's or, or moms it's a lot of um dental clinics out there that where you pay like a small sliding fee and they will fill cavities where you could just pay out of pocket it's not that much or you yeah, can actually the if you live around, they do them as well right that's what i was going to say fall out eventually so no listen exactly those teeth are going to fall out now again when you go to a dental school they're, they're not dentists they're still <laughs> right so so keep that in mind but again um depending on what school you what school you you visit um they have really good you, care some of them right they right have, um observe them as well so they can step in exactly yeah exactly I'm, i didn't mean to use the word lab rat but <laughs> i mean but okay, it's a very good <laughs> Right there and trade it, but you'll pay, you'll at least pay 50% less of what you'll pay if you go to a dentist. So just right. to, there are, there are ways where you can still get great care at a lower price. Right. Now, so you all have heard me talk about flexible spending accounts or as we know them as FSAs. And I just wanted to touch on that very briefly. I'm not the FSA mm -hmm. expert. Um, 
but Brittany, you may know a little bit about this more than I do, but just for starters, okay. um, an FSA is an account that you're able to contribute through your payroll deduction that allows you to have money for your medical, dental, and vision expenses. And if you Google like um, flexible spending account list or whatever, it will have mm -hmm. like a huge document that contains all the things that you are eligible to pay for with your flexible spending account card. Now for me, right. I just use it for co-pays at the doctor. Um, if I have mm -hmm. any mental issues that I need to take care of, I use for that or like eyeglasses or contacts because I wear them, my daughter doesn't. And so that's what I use mm -hmm. my flexible spending account for. And like I said, you know, like those rainy days when my daughter might get sick, I know that it's $75 for an urgent care fee. So I set aside 150 for that and then like 150 for her dental visits. And then however much I want to spend on glasses that year, I'll set aside that in my flexible spending account. Now, my company right. has what you call a rollover. Some companies don't, but you want to check that don't, out. Because yeah. you don't have a rollover and you set aside a thousand dollars and you only use 300, then you've lost $700, you know, or you've lost a whole mm -hmm. 1000 if you never used it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you really want to be careful when you're, um, you know, setting aside those amounts for the flexible spending account. But it is so helpful as a single mom because you may not always have, you know, that extra money laying around. You might have an emergency fund, but you might not want to touch it for those kind of expenses. You know what I'm saying? Correct. And this is where the flexible spending account comes in, and it's so helpful. But um, there is a maximum amount that you can contribute to the flexible spending account, I didn't take a moment to look that up for um, 2019. Do you happen to know, Brittany? I don't know what that amount. I don't. Amount is. I don't know that amount either. I. I typically. I don't. I don't participate in a flexible spending account. I don't like. I don't. I just okay. never like. <laughs> yeah. I've never been a big fan, but um. But for what me, I, would I, say, I don't know. It's just so helpful for me. So I've always. No, they are. So it just. They works are. Like yeah, for your individual lifestyle, your situation. So I, I you know, I, like I said, I like it for me, but you just decide what works for you. And it is fully right. front. So if you say that you want to set out $1,000 for the year and you set aside that $1,000, that is funded to you up front. So you already have that in your account and you can use your um, flexible spending account debit card to pay for those transactions. Right. Um, it gives you some uh, tax savings, but you'll have to do a little bit more research on that because I'm not too familiar with the um, the tax right. savings, so I can't really speak to that. And I do also know that if you leave the job, um, they don't require you to pay that back. So uh, no, as, of now, as of 2018, now, I don't know what the laws are going to be for 2019, but so far, because right. you know, yeah. I left my job um, back in June or May or June, and I had a flexible spending account. They did not make me um, pay back the money that I had already spent. So I can tell right. you. What? And then I, I had yeah. one lady who was giving a presentation on um, FSAs. She actually had less uh -huh. money before she left a job. And oh, wow. required her to pay it back. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. Lasix. But um, what I tell people is when they ask me about that, to just always check with your employer to see what the guidelines are. Because I've. I've heard great positive stories about F, F, um, FSAs, and then I've heard people say, I thought they were only supposed to take X amount out, and they took this out. Because sometimes the employer will take out a certain portion annually, 
weekly, monthly, it, it depends. Just see what your employer guidelines are when it comes to FSA and if it's feasible for you. That's the, all, that's, what, that's the best advice I tell people about um, saving, healthcare savings accounts and um, things of that nature. Some people don't like their employers to take money out of their checks for you. And if you're that type of person, then you like to happen. save your own money. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, like, like you said, you got to check your company, figure out how it works. For my company, it's payroll deducted bi-weekly, and I'm okay with that. So, yeah. Right. And it'll show you, like, normally when you're uh, doing open enrollment, if you want to contribute 1000 it'll actually do the math right. for you. Um, now, I have seen instances, and it's it was okay. Like, one time they forgot to, like, um, d- uh, deduct it from my check, and so the next time they had to do two times. And so, you know, sometimes you have situations like that. So, you know, you just always want to be aware of what could possibly happen. And that was okay for me. But again, it may not be okay for you. So there's also a dependent care FSA. And I don't use this because the amount is not funded up front. And to start using it, you have to wait till it has money in the account. But this is similar to the flexible spending account, the regular one, except for it's for your child care. So if your child goes to after school or if they're in a daycare, you know, you can set aside money to go in there. And this is particularly helpful for people who make a lot of money and they want the tax savings. But if you're just like a regular smuggler person, <laughs> like this right. may not be the thing for you. Because I don't know a lot of people that use this um, dependent care flexible spending account. Most of the times it was like high earners whenever I was working in HR. I don't know about you, Brittany. Do you know of anybody that actually uses this? um no yeah no 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 and what this is let me as a single mother depending on how many children that you have you may qualify for child care network so a big portion um may be coming from another entity to help you pay for child care so you might not want to um you might not even have to deal with that um again uh, if you're one of those people that don't like your employer taking money out of your check to help you save for certain um, expenses like childcare and healthcare that, that may not be for you, but I don't, we, they offer it at my job, but I, I've just always said no. Yeah. I, I don't, I've, I've just always that. said no, <laughs> but I just wanted to educate you guys and give you like a basic right. summary of what it was about. Um, so moving on to life insurance, I'm pretty sure you all are familiar with that. It basically provides a convenient way to assist with financial security in the event of death. So it is a policy right. with an insurance company that will give a lump sum payment to your beneficiaries. And so your company, if you work for an employer, will normally um, cover basic life insurance for you. And it's right. Uh, two times your base pay. Some companies do two and a half. Some companies do three. So you just want to be familiar mm-hmm. with your company's policies and make sure that you take a moment to read those life insurance booklets when they send them home to you because you want to understand how it's paid out, um, when it's paid out, mm-hmm. and all just all of the because that stuff can get really um, confusing and really tricky and tricky. And if you True. don't have a policy outside of your job, that may be something you consider because every time you leave a job, you don't take that life insurance a policy with you. So you're just, I mean, it's free, but if you're one of those who right. you're like, oh, well, I need more and you purchase supplemental life 
insurance, that is actually paid by you. And that does not come with you. Now, some companies allow you to um, bring that policy with you, but it is a bit more expensive because you're not, um, you're no longer with the company. So Correct. I think it's called yeah. porting or something where you mm-hmm. port the policy to an individual policy. But again, that could be expensive. So you may want to look outside yeah. of your company for supplemental life insurance. Um, but you do want to make right. sure that you have an insurance policy in place because, you know, as single moms, there is nobody else. So um, unless you're co-parenting or something like that. So if something happens to you, right. how's your kid going to be taken care of? And so you want to make sure that you have those policies in place. And just to piggyback off what you're saying, um, when you're looking at your life insurance policies, you want to educate yourself on whether your employer is offering you term life insurance or whole life insurance. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Again, educate yourself on those two different policies because I want to say term life is the one where after a certain age, the the policy becomes obsolete where whole life yeah, is with you yeah, up until it's term life. there's a certain amount of years on the policy right and whole life is right. your whole life if you want to think of it like that right. way to remember right right and then remember what you just said about when you transition let's say you're leaving your employer and you want to trans you want to start to pay you want to keep that life insurance policy that your employer offered you but you're leaving and you want to pay for it yourself or you even retire and you want to pay for it yourself. I want to say the reason why it does become a little bit expensive is because it may go from a transition from term to whole. So if that, if that is the case, ladies, you might want to do that because you actually, once you transition, you might be paying a rate. Help me out here. It, do you once you do transition it? Do you pay the rate of the age that you first got it? Does that make sense? Like what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. So if you if you port it, then you may be still paying that same rate, just a little bit more. But it's it's because right. you're already invested into it. They're not going to increase it just because of your age. Versus if you go right. and get a brand new policy. Right, right, right. So research, talk to your employers. Yeah, and find um, an insurance um, agent or somebody who right, specializes right. in life insurance so they can educate you better. This is just like a basic introduction to life insurance that we know of, but we're not experts in this. Right. So I highly encourage you to consult a life insurance. Right, agent. right. But, but if you know who your employer um, has contracted through, to, through your life insurance, call them and say, hey, I'm thinking, just throw a scenario out. Hey, I might leave my job next year and go to another company, but I want to take this policy with me. How much would I pay? What What are the details with that? Just educate yourself. Reach out to them and educate yourself because they may want to keep you as an individual consumer, even though you're leaving the their um uh, leaving an employer who they're doing business with, they might want to keep your business as an individual. So they may give you some information to keep you on board. So just just communicate and um, get as much information as possible that you can get. Yeah, for sure. Lastly, we're just going to briefly talk about retirement savings plans. And the reason why I wanted to do this was one, because <laughs> I wanted to go through each part of the open enrollment process. But then two, because I hear a lot of millennials saying that oh you know I got good retirement at this job or I want to work Uh, they offer good retirement listen 
we're living in a time now <laughs> we're not staying yeah. in these jobs long enough to become vested. Nope. And there is a vested nope. period. So if you think that you're going to, oh, I'm just going to get a 401k and start contributing. Well, if they say that they match 5% or 6% or whatever it is, you're not able to get that 5 or 6% until you have been there um, for a year or two, whatever they have determined uh-huh. to be their vesting period. So if you decide to leave that job next year, then that money that they match, they'll get it back. Now you can, um, you can transfer your 401k policy to another company, but I just want right. you guys to be aware of that. Now um, you can also go to somewhere like Edward Jones, or you can go to like, um, what's the other company called? Uh, what is it's Prudential's one. Prudential is one. Um, but there's one more that I'm thinking that's super popular. Like every <laughs> job I've worked at has the same. What's the first one that you, what's the first one you said, Edwards? Edward, it's not Edwards, but Edwards, you can go on your own. Uh, crap. There is on the tip of my tongue too. Um, Fidelity. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say confidential. <laughs> I was going to say confidential, but yes. <laughs> yes, yes, fidelity. Yes, that's an, that's uh, my first. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, if you're <laughs> in like a four hundred one k at your job, you can also consider calling and talking to a financial advisor at Fidelity, and you can let right. them know like, hey, you know, I'm about to start a new job, but I don't plan to be there over two years. Do you recommend that I just get right. visual like you know four hundred one k and I just start right. with you guys? I'm not really worrying about the matching or, you know, if you want to go the route of trying to get that portion that they are matching and you're going to stay there the amount of time to be vested. So those are some things that you want to think about when you're talking about a 401k because a lot of times people think, oh, I'm investing, I'm investing. But honestly, it's not a lot of money (laughs) when you're just contributing three or four percent and they're matching. Right. Also talk to. Like I said, the financial advisor there, and they can also set up you um, a plan so that you are on track for retirement. And retirement necessarily doesn't mean working until you're 55 nowadays. Some people retire as early nope. as 33, 40, whatever, you know, but you just want to make sure you're Depends on your lifestyle. Do that when you're ready. And yes, Brittany, it goes right. back to your lifestyle. Okay, so I just recommend like overall that you just consult a financial advisor because there's a lot of education that you need to do as far as um, reading and teaching yourself because when you uh, when you enroll in these 401ks, you have all of these target funds, you have all of these plans that you can choose from. And most of the time, nobody knows, they just enroll. And so what happens is people pick the (laughs) the dates for you. They pick the target funds. Sometimes they'll ask you if you want to be like a moderate investor, risky, or, you know, safe or any of that stuff. Right. If that all sounds foreign to you, then you definitely need to contact um, a company and talk to an advisor. Okay. So right. 403Bs, they're basically similar to 401Ks, but they are for nonprofit companies. So I work for mm-hmm. a nonprofit hospital. And so we have a 403B. In the past, I've had a 401K. So, you know, it's just depending, again, on your lifestyle. And if you want to go that route, now I can continue to tri- contribute to my 401K because I have that outside of my employer. And Honestly, I don't know if I'm going to be with my current employer for like three years. I think that's their vesting period. And so I don't know that right. I'm going to stay that long. So I didn't want to contribute to their 401 plan. Now, could I be leaving money on the table? 
yes, I could. But again, it's because I don't know. You know, now if I knew right. that, okay, I'm going to try to stay here for three years and I'm going to want what, whatever they're matching, then yes, I would be contributing to that. But since I don't know, it's like I'm not going to put my money into this and I don't know about, you know, I don't know about it. But anyways, right. um, I felt pension plans and they guarantee a certain amount of money uh, each month during retirement. Now, these are less popular and they're better designed if you are staying at a company for a long period of time. So these worked out really well back in the day. But again, we're living in, a, <laughs> in an age where people are no longer staying at jobs 10 and 20, 30 years. You know what I'm Now, you do have a few right. that still do that, but um, we've learned better now. And so we're not staying at the companies that long because what happened is you, you get to a certain point where you can't grow anymore or you can't move. And so... This is all goes back to your lifestyle. When you want to retire, how long right. are you going to be at companies? So these are things that you have to consider. And one last thing I want to say is that there are life events. And so you'll probably read about this in your um, open enrollment booklet, booklet. And so what happens is if you get married, I don't know, you all are single moms. So I wouldn't guess you'll be getting divorced unless you're just <laughs> listening. But if something significant happens, like have a baby and you're not married, and so your husband or your boyfriend, significant other, whatever you want to call it, he can't cover the child and you have to, that's called a life event. And so any of these things can allow you to make changes in your um, benefits. But other than that, benefits, right? yeah, other than that, you're, once you um, make those choices for open enrollment, you can't change those until the next enrollment, unless you have a life event. So I just wanted to throw right. that out there. And if you want to speak um, any more on that, Brittany, or if you have any last words that you want to say, you, you can do that at this time. And if you want people to follow yeah, just, you, let them know where they can do that as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, just piggybacking off of what you said, that's the same for ACA. ACA um, has a special open enrollment period. And once you miss that period, um, I think there's this, it starts, what, November 1st to December 15th. Again, just check www.healthcare.gov to um, confirm those dates. But after, and that's for a start date of January 1st, 2019. But after that cutoff date of December 15th, you cannot enroll unless you qualify for a special enrollment period. So please, 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 if you do plan on going to enroll on ACA, just be mindful of those time frames. Or um, if you need to make any changes, um, you know, you might you have to qualify for a special enrollment. If you lose coverage because you couldn't pay up a premium um, or something like that, the only way you can re-enroll is if you qualify for a special enrollment. So, again, please be very, very mindful. If you guys are on Instagram and um, you are an entrepreneur and you do want to follow me, you can follow me at um, Miss underscore B dot cater. If you're a business major, you're an entrepreneur. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, a business major. If you're pursuing your MBA or um, you have a career in health management, um, again, if you're an entrepreneur, please just give me a follow. I, I just like to keep that type of energy around me. Um, I do come from a family of entrepreneurs. As soon as I'm done with graduate school, I'm going to be starting a small business. So I would, I'd like to link with people like that that are, are business-minded and just have a positive energy. So, yeah, give me a follow. Awesome. I will link your uh, Instagram handle in the show notes. That way everybody can 
follow you there. And I really appreciate you for taking oh, out great. the time to chat with me um, so that these moms can have this information um, going into open. Sure. So again, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We covered a lot. I hope you were taking notes. If you did not take notes, you can always go back and play this back when you have your notepad and a pen. So feel free to reach out to either one of us on Instagram. We're always available. Or you can email me at singleblackmotherhood at gmail.com if you have any questions. If you found this episode helpful, please take out a moment to leave us a review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on SoundCloud, take a moment to leave a comment. You can also share this with your mom, friends, family, anybody who you think needs to hear this episode about open enrollment. Okay. As always, you can connect with me over on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood, Facebook at Single Black Motherhood. You can visit the website singleblackmotherhood.com. All right. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. Until next week, talk to you guys later. Bye.